You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. The gospel is God's final word on the condition of man. You know, if we really would meditate on that and own that, it would change our entire perspective. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ and what he has done, the finished work of the cross, is the final word on the condition of man. We once were dead in trespasses and sin. What did he do? Come on, somebody. What did he do? He made us alive, right? He made us alive. Did you have a choice in the matter? It's crazy, isn't it? There's this little thing called believing we've got to step into, but I think that really is the entire process and journey of our Christian life is stepping into an ongoing way of believing. Because how many of you know you believe in Jesus, but there's plenty of places where you don't believe? Right? <laughs> I believe in Jesus. I can say I believe him as the Savior, but there might be plenty of places where I don't really believe him as Redeemer. Or I don't really believe that he's Lord. It's okay. We're all learning and we're all growing, but it's a, it's a process of coming out of unbelief into belief. Um, this weekend, we got to go see, uh, kind of reconnect with some friends of ours from 30 years ago, and over in Tampa, and it was fun, and uh, we were down in Ybor City, and we were walking the streets, because everything was close, and as we're walking the streets down there, um, there was somebody doing, I guess they would call it ministry. Um, I don't know if I would call it ministry. It's definitely not the kind of ministry I would want to be doing, holding up signs saying, you're going to hell, you know, repent, you're going to hell, those kind you know, and okay, you know, I get there's, you know, there's always some level of truth in it, but, you know, I wanted so bad, I couldn't because we were on a time frame, but I did pause at one point and the rest of the group kept walking and I'm like, I want to go talk to these guys. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to go just have a conversation, not to argue, but I really do believe the best theology, the best study of God, the best preaching of God is an ongoing revelation of his goodness. Not about how bad you are. How many in here would say, I know how bad I am, and I'm discovering how good God is, right? Because the problems that I have inside of me don't change by me navel-gazing and trying to find out what's wrong with me. The problems are solved by finding out God's goodness. If our theology was all about discovering God's goodness, then we would find real repentance, right? If our entire theology and study and focus about God was discovering how good he is, then we would f have real repentance because the word says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So I wanted to have this conversation and I'm just like, you know, and here we are downtown Ybor City, you know, anybody ever been there? Real Cuban influence, very cool culture down there. It's very awesome. And here we are walking around and, you know, the signs and the bullhorns and all that stuff and trying to get people to stop doing the things that they're doing, I guess. You know, don't party, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't do all those kinds of things. You know what? It hit me that really, you guys know what hedonism is? Yeah. Hedonism, by definition, means pleasure seeker. And so people would call people downtown like that. They're hedonist. Well, I'm discovering that if you really want to be a true hedonist, you've got to fall in love with Jesus. God created Adam and put him in the garden of what? Eden. Which is called pleasure. That's what Eden means. In other words, we're designed for pleasure. So if we are really going to be true hedonists, we've got to fall madly in love with Jesus. 
Because all the pleasure that we seek outside of him falls short. But inside of him, it works perfectly. Right? Are you still with me this morning? To be a true hedonist, you've got to fall in love with Jesus. That's why people keep doing things over and over and over again and each week and each weekend or whatever the cycle is for all of them always looking for more pleasure in something else only to discover that it doesn't satisfy but there is satisfaction in him but he is the ultimate pleasure God because he designed us for pleasure ooh this might be stepping on toes a little bit this morning it's what we're designed for we're not designed to run away from pleasure we're designed to run right into it there's absolute total fulfillment in him. Why do you think Paul talks about that in Scripture? We want to take things in this world and say, well, you can't do that, and you don't, don't do that right there. Well, definitely don't do this one right here. That one's iffy. That one, I don't know. That one could be bad. That one may not be bad. It may be okay. This over here is really good. You need to do these things here. We like in our Christianity to make those kinds of rules for us to live by instead of coming back to the one. Why do you think Paul talks about it? And he says, listen, all things are there, they're available to me, and I can do them, but not everything's beneficial. And then we want to take all these things and say, well, that's not beneficial. This is You're going to have to discover that with God, definitely. I don't want to establish a culture where we're telling people what's right and wrong, what they do with their lives. Here's why. It may be right for someone in here to have 10 televisions in your house and be totally fine. There may be someone else in here that God has said to them, no televisions. Which one's right? Yes. I'm just simply saying, if we come back to falling madly in love with Jesus, we will be the ultimate hedonist. <laughs> the ultimate pleasure seekers. And a, a lot of what we're doing even with the school is not about front-loading you with information and trying to make you smarter about the Bible. I don't want that. I mean, that's all good and stuff, and we need that. But man, you fall in love with Jesus, and all of a sudden your experience and encounters start happening with him, then that can come alive way more than when I, the way I can teach it. Way more. There's nothing like being so madly in love with Jesus, living in an encounter with him, reading the word of God, and have it come off the page, and it hits you deep where you can't, nobody can teach like that. I don't know. I want to see a church, I want to see a group of people start falling so madly in love with Jesus that when we do go downtown to places like that, where we are in Orlando, or Altamont Springs, or where we were in Ybor City, what would it look like if Christians were down there together loving God, loving people so much that everybody would look at it and go, I want to be a part of this right here, whatever it is that you guys are doing. Right? It's unfortunate. I'm going to pick on the church a little bit. Is that okay? Not all of us, because I'm a part of this thing, so I can do that. It's almost as if we want people to come into Christianity so that they lose behaviors. And unfortunately, what we end up with is people coming into Christianity and the first thing that they lose is their sense of humor. They can't have fun anymore. We can't do that. I'm a Christian now. Wow, that's attractive. I hope you guys are hearing my heart in this thing. I... I, I really do. Why am I saying this? Because even with our culture here, I'm constantly looking at this and going, I don't ever want to be a, co a culture where we've got rules as our guidelines. 
But you know, that's a scary place to live, isn't it? Where you don't have rules as your guide. Yes, we need guidelines, guys, but I don't even want my own house run by rules. I want it run with discipline, but I don't want it run with rules. And there is a difference. Rules are detached of intimacy and connection. Discipline has connection in it. That's why we're called disciples of Christ, because we're connected to him and we're constantly learning and growing. I think I want to talk a little bit about honor. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about honor. Honor is a very, very big deal. Honor has been turned into something in our world that is, you need to give honor to, well, just use this for an example, give honor to the pastor. Well, you know what? If I, as a pastor, demand you honor me, then I have no honor at all. Honor has to be something that is innate inside of us. And really, the only way we learn what honor is is if we start to learn what true intimacy and connection with God is. It's the only way real honor begins to work. When we can learn to celebrate people for who they are. How many in here are watching the Summer Olympics? I get pieces of it because we don't have television. It's, it's kind of cool. I, but I saw, I think it, it must have been a commercial that had put on by the Olympic Committee. But it was put on and it was showing athletes that were running and they were in slow motion and you see them like gritting and they're going after it. They're jumping, they're doing all this stuff. And you see like their muscles and it's pretty impressive. You see them at work, athletes at work. And there was a narrative going on over top of it and it says, every human body has traces of gold in it. Have you seen that commercial? And I was like, come on! That's what I'm talking about! Every human body has traces of gold in it. And you know where the concentrations of gold are found? In the heart. Isn't that awesome? I'm sitting there going, come on, come on. That'll preach all day long right there. All day long. Every human has traces of gold inside of them, and the highest concentrations are found in the heart. And it, it went on to say, some people are just willing to dig it out. Now, that was all about being the athlete, and, you know, being the best you can. I get that, but I'm like, what would it look like if we were a people that weren't so inward focused, but that we were outward focused with each other, that we would see the gold in other people before they could see it themselves? There's gold inside of you. There's gold in them their hills. There's gold inside of you. What would it look like? That's what honor really is. Honor is being able to get past your own judgmental ideas, thoughts about looking at a person, trying to figure out where they're from, what they eat, how do they live, all this kind of stuff. Hello? I'm just, I just stepped on something there. You know what I'm talking about. Please tell me I'm not the only one. It's difficult sometimes you look at people, especially when they're a lot different than who I am, and I look at them and I'm like, God, man, what, what's the deal with him? What's up with him? And they could be talking to me and I don't hear a thing. Please tell me I'm not the only one. They smell bad. They look weird. Something, I don't know. It could be something. They got a weird accent. I don't know. So I'm sitting there thinking, where are they from? What's going on? Instead of really being able to see down inside of them, Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do this. Do you believe it? Yeah. Yes. To be able to see down inside of them and find the God gold that's deposited down in their heart and be able to say, yeah, you know what? This is who you are. This whole thing about prophecy that we get all weird about sometimes where we don't know how, what is it, how do we do it? And we've talked about it forever. We've done all this stuff. 
That's really what it is at the heart of it. It's discovering the gold inside of somebody and beginning to speak to it. Pull it out. So, why am I saying all this? It has to do with what we're doing and what we're launching into, and I really feel really good about this school year, about what's coming on. I really feel like God's even deposited people here in this building that are going to be incredible help to us to do this. I want to see the culture even in this building shift. I want to see it shift. Can I give you some examples of some stuff? You'll hear occasionally, we like bounce around up here, people doing different things. Somebody will come up and somebody will say, hey, welcome so-and-so. And And then you got about 10 people going. (laughs) The golf clap, you know. (laughs) What would it look like if every time somebody came to deliver, because it's not always easy to stand up here and do things, right? Right? It's always easy to sit there and listen. It's not always easy to stand up here and give things. And if you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. It's difficult sometimes just to stand here. The whole ministry thing that Danielle did so wonderfully this morning. I know that's difficult to do. As a matter of fact, that's one of the most difficult things we do here on Sunday morning. What if instead of doing the golf clap, when people came up to give a word, we stood to our feet and absolutely said, come on, yeah! Yeah, it might embarrass them, but you know what? They'd get over it. It actually, I don't, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know that it really would embarrass them. I think it would encourage. I don't know about you. It would encourage me. But, you know, that's not something I'm going to sit here and demand. What I want to see is what if our culture began to change so we could see and recognize, man, there's, I want every bit, every ounce of my being to encourage this person and what they're doing right now in this moment. Right In the moment, whatever they're doing, as simple as it may be, Every bit of who I am, I'm pushing towards you, and I'm just saying, come on, man, yeah, come on. Give us everything you got. Let it flow out of you. Come on, you got this. Is this making sense at all? What if when somebody were to give a word about something, that when we received it, that we honored it, even if it's wrong? How are people going to grow? How are people going to learn? How are we going to come to a place where we feel the encouragement, where we get past ourselves and we begin to let Holy Spirit start moving through us? That kind of honor. I really believe where we start is having hearts of thanksgiving. I really do believe that. Having hearts of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is huge. Thanksgiving is creative in its nature. Did you know that? Thanksgiving is creative in its nature. When I give thanks... I am setting up an atmosphere for creativity. How do I know that? Do you remember what happened with Jesus and the fish and the bread? Do you remember? He's standing there. Fish? Thousands. God, thank you. What did he do? It said he blessed and gave thanks. And all of a sudden it began to multiply. What does that tell me? It tells me that in Thanksgiving there is a an atmosphere for creativity to happen. People go, well, how did he do that? How did he make it multiply? I believe it's in the thanksgiving. It's being able to be thankful for what you have right there in the moment. And in the thanksgiving, it begins to create. What if we were thankful for people? We're just thankful for them for who they are. There are some people that I just like, I don't know why, it doesn't mean any are better or worse than others, but there's some people when I get around, I'm just so thankful that I know them. Nate, you're one of them. I don't even know you that well, but whenever I get around him, the first few weeks I met him, I said, every time I get around you, you make me happy. You make me feel good inside. 
I'm like, I like that. Yeah, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving, though, giving thanks for that. Why do I do that? And I tell him that all the time. Every time I see him, thankful. I, last week I told you that. I'm just thankful for your joy, your infectious joy that you have all over you. Why? Because I want to see more of that even in myself. What happens when you have somebody come along and they say, hey, you'll never guess what happened. This da-da-da-da-da, what happened here, and I got this blessing, or this thing worked out, and it was so awesome, it was so great. What do we do as individuals? Do we sit there and go, God, I wish that would happen to me. And the whole time, we're stopping the flow of Holy Spirit right there in the moment instead of saying, that is awesome. I am so happy for you. You want to be happy for me and my wife for a minute? Okay, we, we did our taxes in April. How many love doing that? And we had to pay money which I don't like doing. I don't like giving money to the government. <laughs> at all. Yeah. I do it where I'm required to do it, but that's what I'm going to do. So we had to pay money. Well, a month or so ago, we started a process of refining our home, and in the process, the mortgage company wanted our tax records. So they sent off form only to discover, hey, IRS doesn't have our tax return. You know, and then what do you do? You're like, oh, God. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm frustrated, but the whole time I'm going, God, you, you can do this. I know you can do this. This whole thing's Anyway, it ended up working out great. But in the process of that, we discovered that, hey, not only did we pay them $600, and we shouldn't have paid them $600, they owe us $1,100. So $1,100 plus the $600, that's $1,700. I'm getting $1,700 back. We get a check in the mail from the IRS yesterday, day before. $2,300. Right? Not quite sure where the rest of it came from, but it's in the bank right now. So <laughs> I'm not going to argue with them on that one. I tell a testimony like this, why? Because it's opportunity for all of us to cheer, to stand up and cheer. Not for us, it's for this thing of like, I want breakthrough. Yeah. I, and this is where honor lives. Honor is not something where we say you need to honor, like some hierarchy thing. That is not honor at all. If anything, honor moves in the other direction. It doesn't move up in a world man-made hierarchy. It moves, if you want to look at it in a man-made hierarchy, honor would best move down then. It would be able to see from your place, wherever you are, you've made it so far in the Lord and all this kind of stuff, not trying to think hierarchy, but say we've, some people have grown into maturity more than others, okay? That's not a place to say, honor me. That's a place to say, I honor you. I honor you. Because I don't want you to miss out on your destiny. I don't want you to miss out on your God calling, the God design inside of you. I want you to come on. Come on. It makes it easy for me when we do street ministry and we go out there. I don't sit there looking at people as uh, like I'm trying to close a deal. Boy, if I could just get them to say a prayer, then I've done my good deed. Really? Show me that one in the Bible. People pray and they get saved. What is that? Ooh, I'm stepping on theological toes now. I'm just saying read it. It's not something where I want to be, if you would stop doing this, you would be so much better and you would be like me. Man, but we do that, right? I mean, 
historically the church has done that. I want to get you to stop doing this thing, and if you could start looking and acting and talking like me, you would be way better off. <laughs> if you'd start coming to church. Now, there's good things about coming to church, but again, coming to church is like, you know, you can live in a garage, but it'll never turn you into a car. You can come to church, but it isn't going to make you a good Christian. It, it helps, but that's not really where it's at. It's in the encounter. It's in the life inside of him. So honor is, in part, giving thanks. I want to give thanks. I'm giving thanks. I'm looking for opportunities to give thanks. Somebody sh- this morning showed me a picture, and they're in the process of losing some weight stuff, and I saw a picture, and I was like, man, that's good. Good for you good for you. I'm happy about that. Why? Because I want to lose a few. And I'm happy for them, but you know what? At the same time, I want breakthrough in my own life. Hello? I know. I'm a pencil. I know that. (laughs) uh, You can go ahead and laugh at that. That's okay. It's okay. I'm just trying to decide, is the little paunch that's beginning to develop there, is that just being nearly 50 years old, or is that something normal? Is that... Yeah. I know. Oh, stop. Yeah, my side's going first. Yeah, right. You hear what I'm saying. Can we get back to the main point here? I know, I brought it up. It's too bad. You don't, in other words, you don't need to try to give thanks for something when you have received the gift. It's really easy to give thanks for something when you receive the gift. It's a lot harder to give thanks for something when somebody else receives the gift. But when I can really give thanks for that and be glad and be happy and say, yes, good for you. When I can vicariously enjoy somebody else's success, when I can vicariously enjoy somebody else's breakthrough, hello, how many of you wanted healing in certain parts of your body and somebody else gets it and you don't? Right? And it is difficult to believe because why is that person getting healed instead of going, man, I am so happy for you. I am so, so happy for you in this. And put yourself in their position on like, man, that, what would it feel like to receive that? That's awesome. That's really awesome. It's the same thing. It goes with healing. It goes with revelation. It goes with maturity. It goes with money. It goes with everything across the board. Healthy marriages. Kids walking after God. All of these things, you can sit and go, God, why can't that happen with me? But then you can say, no, I'm, I am so thankful and I'm so happy for you that your kids are going after God the way they are. That's how you see your own life change. That's where honor is. That's where it exists. That's, that's how honor works. Yeah. Turn to Philippians real quick. I need to have you read the Bible to make this legal. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. What a rich book. What a happy book. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. I know you've heard this passage, these passages before. I'm quite certain everybody in here has either heard it, heard it preached, or memorized it. It's a very common passage of Scripture. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of what does honor really look like? What does honor really look like? Because in this, I believe honor is made manifest. 
it's not just a good idea he's speaking about here. He's talking about a people coming into this oneness, this intimate relationship with God, these encounters with God, and he's addressing the very thing that keeps them from doing it. They're not giving honor to God for his finished work, to Jesus for his finished work. He had already talked about it in the two chapters before. He had already been talking about the person of Jesus and what he had done, the sacrifice, humbling himself, taking on man's form, humbling himself even to the point of death, and then losing the honor and then missing out. Now he's beginning to address it here. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Be anxious for nothing. Someone said to me, even this weekend, we were talking about life and what we do, and, and I'm not gonna throw this person under the bus, but they were, and it's nobody in this room, so nobody start looking around. Who is it? They said, yeah, I can't do things like that. I, get, I just get too anxious. I feel like I'm gonna miss out. And I just was like, my reply was, man, that's, that's really sad. That's got to be an awful feeling. And her reply was, yeah, it is. Well, you know, immediately I didn't go into the big dissertation like pastors do sometimes, but I started thinking, this right here, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplications with what? Say it again. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come on, is that a good word? Yeah. Come on, this is, where does it, this is where rubber meets the road in honor. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. How many of you guys want that kind of peace? Right? Well, then you got to understand if you want that kind of peace, it says it's the kind of peace that surpasses understanding. So you can't understand your way into it. You can't figure your way out into finding how you get that kind of peace. At some level, you've got to go, I don't get it. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. And I'm trusting you, God. This is where I give you honor, where I trust you, that you say in your word that you will give me a peace that goes beyond all comprehension. And it'll guard my heart and my mind. Come on, does this feel good to you? Why is it, to me, this is wonderful because here I am myself not trying to guard my own heart and mind. It's saying, let the peace of God do it. Come on, wouldn't that be great? You have peace personified in the person of Jesus. He is the prince of peace, right? Can you think about this for a moment? That kind of peace settles inside of us and he's standing right there in our heart like a century and he's guarding it. He's guarding my mind. And I'm able to go, Wow. I don't get it, but here you are. I'm in the middle of something, and I can just totally say, yeah. Verse 8, finally, brethren, here's where he puts the rubber meat in the road here with honor. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, come on, don't you like that? Yes, amen. Why is it? I don't get this. I don't know my history in the church. Maybe it's a little different than your history in the church, but that's not what I experienced growing up. That's not what the church did. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. No, we're trying to find out what's false. Sorry. <laughs> we're really trying to find every false prophet on the face of the earth. That is my goal. I am the designated truth teller to the body of Christ, and I am going to point out everything that's false. <laughs> Yeah, I'm joking about it, but you know if you've been in the church long enough, that tends to be what happens. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, no, I just want to point out what's weak. I just want to point out what's wrong. Whatever things 
are just. Oh, no, no, no. Let's point out the injustice. Let's spend our time pointing out where the injustice is. Oh, and by the way, in the new covenant, justice is not people getting what they deserve. Just a thought. New covenant justice is not about people getting penalized for what they've done wrong. It's about the broken getting healed. It's about the captive getting set free. That's justice. Whatever things are pure. Oh no, that's evil. Let's point out what's evil. Whatever things are lovely. Wasn't that ugly? Right? You see what I'm doing here, right? Whatever things are of a good report. Oh, let me tell you what went wrong. Let me tell you what's wrong with this person. Let me tell you what, everything bad about this conference I, just went, conference I just went to. Let me tell you about everything bad about what happened with this worship leader who was leading and how everything just didn't, right? There's no honor in that. There's zero honor in that. And then we as a people, when we don't walk in honor, we don't get to move into maturity ourselves. Thessalonians says, test all things, hold fast that which is good. We like to test all things, hold fast that which is bad, that which is wrong. Hold on to it. That was wrong. That prophecy, yeah, everything was good. It was okay, but that thing right there, right? You know, here, I'm being facetious, but you know what I'm talking about. There's no honor in that. There's no wonder why we can't grow into maturity anymore because we don't live as people. I want to love, I'm not saying I have this. I'm just saying I'm asking all of us, can we go together in this? Can we learn that, can we risk it a little bit? That when somebody is doing something that we just applaud them like crazy. We say, come on, good on you. Go for it. Do it. You've got it. You've got everything you need. Everything you need is inside of you. Whatever, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Come on, I feel this so deep inside right now. I'm like, anything praiseworthy, anything at all, meditate on these things. That demands then we take the things that want to run around in our mind that are the opposite, and we have to flush them. <laughs> Let them go. Choose what's good. Choose what's praiseworthy. What is of a good report? If you're anything like me, I don't know. I'm not quite the perfectionist, but I do like to do things right as best that I can. Anybody else like that? I can go home, and this is typical for me. I can go home this afternoon into tomorrow, and I can be the most depressed person you've ever seen. Focused on Saturday, on fire on Sunday, and depressed on Monday. I'm just being real. But that's my natural man. And I know I can go there really easy because my natural man does not want to think on things that are praiseworthy, things that are a good report, things that are a virtue. He doesn't want to think about those things. He wants to think about where everything went wrong. He wants to think about, oh God, did you really say that? I hope you're hearing me this morning. I... I'm thinking, I really do believe that if we become a people where we focus on these kinds of things and we give thanks, in everything Thessalonians says, in everything give thanks for what? This is the will of God. <laughs> you want to know what God's will for your life is? Give thanks for everything. <laughs> everything. 
That's hard. Transmission just blew out in my car. Thanks, God. <laughs> Thank you very much. <sighs> I'm just wondering if there might be a shift, even in my own personal life, instead of waking up in the morning and, good go- and going, good Lord, it's morning. I might change. I might wake up and go, good morning, Lord. Instead of good Lord, it's morning. I hope this is speaking to you this morning because I I really do believe this. This is not about trying to change something so that it looks better. I'm talking about a condition of the heart that learns how to celebrate in absolutely everything. It learns how to celebrate. I I really don't, it's, I'm I'm flesh stuff like you guys are here. I lose my joy, right? But it's not because something has the ability to take it it's just that I gave it the ability to take it. Yeah. I put more faith in that than I did in something. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to make it a practice of starting to go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Start saying it. Thank you, God. Thank you. Because it's easy to say thank you when you've received the gift. It's not as easy to say thank you when somebody else does. And it's certainly not as easy to say it when something goes and takes something away from us. Everybody stand up with me this morning. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask ministry teams if you'll just go ahead and come up here and make yourself available. Um, we do this every week. You know, when we get done here, there's teams that can pray for you and whatever you need, really. You need healing. Uh, anything you need. Yeah, we can move that. Don't read my notes, those are private. (laughs) Just kidding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now put your hands on your head for a second. Holy Spirit, renew my mind. Ask Holy Spirit to show you how good he is. Show me how good you are. Show me how good you are, Lord, because I really do want to walk in a life and attitude of repentance. So show me how good you are. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, I'm praying for all of us right now that as your word says that we make our prayers, our supplications, we make known to you, Lord God, with thanksgiving. Lord, that positions our heart correctly. But Lord, I'm praying that you would, for all of us, put that peace inside of us that goes beyond all human comprehension. And it guards our heart. It guards our heart and it guards our mind. Lord, that we would see accurately and appropriately the world, myself, people around me, the way you see. Nothing surprises you. You know you're not sitting up there wringing your hands wondering how this whole thing is going to turn out. So, Lord, I'm I'm just praying that. I really am, Lord. It is supplication. It is prayer for all of us to enter into this attitude of honor, of thanksgiving that changes who we are, Lord. It just changes who we are. Lord, we bless you. We love you. We love you so much. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Everybody say Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God. 
love people, and live life.